Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Well, Bobby, this week we're going to the north side, right around 92nd in Congress, and we're talking about a uh, you know Wisconsin's most famous architect. We've done a, a few pieces about Frank Lloyd Wright and the various buildings that he's designed in the region and around the world, but uh, this time we're talking about a church, and this was actually one of his last designs in Wisconsin, or ever, right? Yeah, yeah. So this was the Annunciation Greek Orthodox Church, um, which many refer to as the USO, the excuse me, as the UFO Church or the Spaceship Church. Yeah, you made a comment, and they're like. <laughs> Kind of a lazy comparison, right? It's, it's, it's kind of a lazy comparison. <laughs> so many people do it. I don't. I don't want to be insulting, but I mean, you know, look yeah. beyond. Yeah, look beyond. Because there's a lot to look at. I mean, this church has everything. I mean, we talk about everything. craftsmanship, design. Uh, it is top to bottom, just incredible. And it's amazing to me because there's tons and tons of detail everywhere, and every last bit of it has um, a religious significance. Like if you look at the sides of the pews, at first you might think, oh, those are just kind of like a fancy, you know, uh, end of the pew. But no, those are shaped like fish because, you know, Jesus was the fisherman, fisher of souls, as yes, it was, yes. fisher of men. Um, that You know, there's three light posts in there to help have more light. And the, the reason there's three is because the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And, and each Trinity, light post okay. has 12 light clusters on it for the 12 apostles. I mean, literally everything. If you go there with one of the tour guides who knows this building intimately— Anything you can point to, they can tell you that it had a religious significance. And what's really great is this is going to be open for Doors Open Milwaukee coming up on the 24th. Uh, not the Sunday, because they're going to be having services that day. They'll but, be busy. Yeah, <laughs> they got other things going on that <laughs> yeah. day. But you can go and check it out and get the behind-the-scenes tour on the 24th. And, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright, as we've covered, um, was kind of a controversial figure, right? He was he always kind of pushing the limits and maybe a little difficult to work with. He was cantankerous. <laughs> cantankerous, and, yes. And famous for, like, when he would design houses. I mean, he had clients who paid him money to design houses, but he still always had this kind of ownership of houses. And there's lots of stories at places like the Roby House in Chicago where they would invite him over to dinner and he, while they were out of the room, he would rearrange the furniture the way he wanted it. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sort of thing. Because <laughs> he was all about that kind of um, compression and release aesthetic, and you can find that in so many of his buildings. Yeah, and it's especially, it's especially strong here because you walk into this narthex, which is sort of a lobby, has a really low um, ceiling, and then you step into the sanctuary and it's just in, incredible release. But then there's like another one when you can go in these spiral staircases that go up to the balcony. So then you're sort of compressed again in this space. And then you get up into the balcony and it seems like an even bigger space. Wow. It's really amazing. There's really, I mean, that that feeling of, I mean, we've been to a few together and that feeling of kind of being shrunken down and then surprised when it opens, it, it does register still today. You feel that. Yeah. And it's something he used all the time. And you can see it in a lot of his Wisconsin buildings like... Um, that you can visit, like Wingspread and the S.C. Johnson uh, buildings in Racine. Well, there is so much to talk about, I mean, architecturally and, um, of course, the the profile of the architect. I mean, it, it's a pretty incredible building, and we're going to dig deep. In fact, there's a connection. This is a deep tease, Bobby, in our extended conversation. We're going to talk about the time that the KGB was on site. It doesn't sound quite as bad. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds worse than it was. It might have been more than once, but this is the one time we know of, right? <laughs> we'll tell you more about that and much more about this incredible church in our extended conversation next. It's the most charitable time of year, and we have a way for you to give a gift to Radio Milwaukee and yourself. Donate your unwanted car, truck, motorcycle, or boat, and let us take it off your hands. 
Your gift will support the music and stories you enjoy every day, and it may even qualify you for a tax deduction. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org slash cars to schedule your free donation pickup today. And we're back on Urban Spelunking on 92nd and Congress mm-hmm. at Annunciation Church. It's a Greek Orthodox church designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, certainly Wisconsin's most famous architect, one of the world's uh, greatest. Um, a contentious figure, but as we uh, as we learned, uh, he was uh, like uncharacteristically easy to work with, I guess, in this project. Yeah, and it's interesting. And um, I mean, assuming that's true, because the people who told me that were not actually there. I mean, they were they're old enough to have been in the congregation, and their parents were inv- heavily involved in this building coming to life. But they personally were too young to be involved in these conversations. But the thing is that Frank Lloyd Wright's wife at the time had been raised in the Orthodox tradition. And so the theory is that he was so willing to sort of give them, I mean, they had a contract that laid out all of these things that had to be done um, according to Orthodox tradition. Right. You know, like there were certain spaces that had to be certain ways, things like that. Like facing east, right? The alternate. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Just a whole list of things. And um, they said he was just completely willing to do that. And I think part of that was because Olga Vanna, his wife, was from that tradition and she even said at the groundbreaking that he would come to her with drawings and ideas and ask her if they were suitable oh really okay. yeah so he was uh i think he was very willing to go along with it yeah uh, i mean at least it seems like because of her because so, normally he'd want, want to argue the heck out of this <laughs> i assume <laughs> so we mentioned in the first half that the building is often compared to a spaceship because it's got this dome it kind of looks like uh you know, like it a kind of 19- looks like a spaceship. Let's just be honest. <laughs> 1950s <laughs> flying saucer type look, but um, that's from the outside. So I guess let's let's start from the outside. What does it look like when you're at the ground level? Yeah. So when you're at the ground level on the outside, it it is round and it has a dome and it's supposed to be. He, he supposedly took a lot of inspiration from the Hagia Sophia in um, Istanbul, which used to be Constantinople, um, named after the Emperor Constantine, who was you know um, Eastern Orthodox. Um, and so this was this is a very significant building to the Orthodox communities, um, even though it had then subsequently become a mosque. Um, and so he took a lot of inspiration from that building, and he always said it was one of his favorite buildings as well. That's a big single domed structure, so that's sort of where the dome idea comes from. Okay, he's there's these projecting um, supports that come out all the way around the building, and those are supposed to signify the uh, crown of thorns. Because everything signifies something. <laughs> yeah, so it's much crazy iconography, right? And yeah. in the building, and um, so that's around the roof line. These like yep. spires that shoot out that mm-hmm. re- resemble the crown of thorns. Yep. And what? you know, it's interesting to me to see a building like this, and like even more so than like the Guggenheim was sort of people saw that and they were like, "Whoa, that's out there, right?" I mean, but it's interesting that looking at a building like this, you got to wonder: had he lived another ten years? what would his buildings have looked like then? You know, and just think about this was designed in the mid fifties, you know, and people were building modern buildings at that point, but even this was kind of mind blowing. Yeah. This must've been um, just so different from his other projects too. I mean, did he do a lot of churches like this? He did not do a lot. He did a few, he did um, a few, he did unity temple. He did, I mean, he did a few buildings like this, but not very many. And it's just interesting that if this is coming from the mind of an 87-year-old guy. I mean, when he, that's how old he was when he designed it. So this is a guy that was never going to rest on his laurels, never going to like just sort of mail it in. It's, it's amazing that, you know, at that age, he was still thinking that far outside the box, right? 
And what's really cool in the in the story is you found all these original renderings and some of his original drawings visualizing this building, and um, you know they're in full color, and it looks like they were hand painted. Um, it's just so cool to see those early designs and how that turned into reality. Yeah, and it's amazing because they're they're more or less the same, right? I mean, yeah. it's, you know, from the get go, he basically those were supposedly the original drawings because he was technically hired in I think August, and by September those were in the newspaper. Wow. Um, so he didn't really have time to spend a lot of time rethinking what he was going to do. That's this, these were basically his ideas uh, from the beginning, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, they almost look like 1950s postcards. Yes. That's so cool. What I think is amazing, too, is that originally the congregation, which had been downtown on um, Broadway and Knapp okay. since about 1912, I think it was, um, when it came time to build a new building, they bought a piece of land on the northwest side, but they bought on 60th and Burleigh, which now there's just like a sort of low-rise, maybe two- or three-story apartment complex. Um, But they were going to build this building there. It's amazing to me how that would have looked in that space because it would have been a much more constrained space where it is now. um, It's in a big open... Even now, with the with construction around it, it's still in a big open field, you know? Yeah, I was looking at the satellite view, and it looks like they've got a ton of land that this is on. But on 60th and Burleigh, it would have been really nestled kind of into the city, which would have been a really interesting thing to see. Um, the reason that did not happen was because there had been a plan to extend the freeway that sort of chopped off the edge of Washington Park that they're now talking about getting rid of, uh, to extend that north, to mm. ultimately meet up with 41 on the nor- far northwest side. Um, but then that never ended up happening. But at the time, the congregation said, well, we're not going to build this church here if the because the county freeway commission was talking about um, buying up all those properties. So they didn't want to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars oh, to build okay. this building mm-hmm. to have the county freeway commission come in five years later and say, okay, you got to sell us your land and we're going to tear down your building. So they ended up negotiating with the commission um, on a purchase price. The commission bought the land. And then they went out and used that money to buy the land that the building is on now. So the building was drawn in the 1950s. When was it completed? It was completed in 61, by which point um, he had died. Actually, he died just before ground was broken on it in 1959. So was this indeed his final design? Um, it's not clear because he was probably working on a few things. Okay. You know, the, the studio was probably working on a few things at any given time. So I don't know that it's absolutely the final design but it is definitely one of the wow. last couple um and the reason i should say that it took so long to build was mostly due to that issue with the with the freeway because that took about two years to resolve so the whole the building was originally supposed to be done and started in 57 and i think finished in 58 and with all the you know i had two years for that other stuff and you're at 60 <laughs> and then you know so um so that's why it took so long well, let's talk about the interior design a little bit. We talked about the outside. The configuration of this church is like none I've ever seen. So it's um, kind of a semicircle shape, and the pews are, as you mentioned, they've got these these uh, kind of end caps that resemble fish. Mm-hmm. They're blue, which is kind of unusual too, right? Right. The blue is a Byzantine color, so that's significant to the Eastern Orthodox religion. And again, like everything else, the um, the floor plan of the church has a significance. It's based on the the um, Byzantine cross, which is sort of an equilateral cross instead of being the yeah. kind that you see in mm-hmm. other Christian religions. Um, and so that's, you know, the layout of that, it relates to that cross. So really, again, everything in there is 
is significant in some way. Anything else? I mean, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's own signature is at the entrance of the building. That's pretty cool. You yeah, can see he would that. put a little tile with his signature on it, and that it has that. Um, some of the things that you see now are not as they would have been, uh, like all of the stained glass windows that are in these sort of eye-shaped openings in the balcony. Those were all added later. Um, and that so was by Conrad Schmidt Studios? Conrad Schmidt, yep. And the plan was to make those stained glass windows at some point. I see. Anyway, but the, there wasn't the money at the beginning to do it, so they were done quite a bit later. Um, and it's it's just a really stunning, unusual space. And it's, you know, if you go in there, frankly, I don't know how you, Frank Lloyd Wrightly, I don't know. <laughs> I <gonna> say frankly. <laughs> I don't know how you would pay attention to what's going on, <laughs> going on. There's so much to look at, you know. Although I guess if you've been there enough times, you would it would just become... Second nature. Right. And those spiral staircases are so cool. Is there those just one are or are there beautiful, there's three of there? them? Yeah, there's three. Wow. And they each have one of those light poles. They're really beautiful. So as far as the, um, the, I mean, this is a, a fully functioning church now, right? An Absolutely. active congregation. Yep. They're going to be closing for the Sunday of Doors Open Milwaukee. Yep. Um, what's the, well, I guess, what's it like there now? Um, it is pretty much like it was when they built it. I mean, they almost very few things have changed. Um, the main things that have changed are those, the addition of the stained glass windows, which had been planned for. Um, there are icon paintings of icons on the altar screen um, that are not the originals that were painted for the church. Um, the ones that were designed by rights people were deemed to be too modern, not Byzantine enough. Mm, so okay. those were moved to the basement and some new ones were put up. But I mean, the seats are the, the pews are the same. The leather, the Nogahide seating on the pews is Nogahide. I don't think I know. It's that like word. a fake leather. Oh, okay, Nogahide. Yes. Um, the carpeting is still the same. I mean, there's, it's amazing how it really is. I'd say it's like you're stepping back in time, but even now, sixty years later, it feels modern. I mean, it feels mm, more modern yeah. than most buildings you go into even today. So aside from the compression and release, are there any other like really Frank Lloyd Wright distinctive features that you noticed? Um, I just think a lot of the, a lot of the elements are very righty and like those, um, those light posts. I mean, they have all of this, even working within all of this religious significance, he still manages to make it look like right, you know, and the, and those staircases and the railings on the staircases all look a lot like the, the stuff he designed at Wingspread at SC Johnson too, which were later works. And of course, he knew he was designing um, a sacred building, but um, also was very proud of the design and said that it would attract people who were just lovers of architecture from all around the world. My favorite part about that quote, though, is that he basically insults all other churches. <laughs> why why don't you read the quote? He says, um, "Oh yeah, he says it appears to me that this should be one of the most beautiful church edifices in modern times." Of course, that's not saying too much. <laughs> <laughs> that is sassy, Frank Lloyd. Right? Come on. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> and then he says, well, and then sort of a key thing he says is with this building, we will bring the romance of the old down to the present. And that was a big deal because, you know, um, there really was sort of a, not exactly a formula, but there was a style of of Eastern Orthodox churches, this Byzantine style um, that had very specific colors, very specific icon designs, like all of that kind of thing. Um, and he incorporated a lot of that stuff, you know, the icons and and all of these significant things that he did. Um, but still, for some people, it was too much of the modern and not enough of the old. So actually, when um, the archbishop uh, of the Greek Orthodox Church for the whole country saw it, 
He's like, no, 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 no. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yes. So then he asked him to delay. This was another delay for them was to ask him to delay doing anything until they could meet about it. And so then church officials met with him and he got on board and um, then they could move forward. But but initially there was a, you know, this sort of pushback about like, you know, we have a very traditional approach to building churches and this ain't it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's but, really a tale as old as time, right? I mean, uh, this might be a little too modern for what we're ready for. We've heard that throughout this podcast over and over again. Yeah, but if you think about it, in the end, this very traditional church community and this very traditional religion that's rooted in, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of tradition. Orthodox. Orthodox. Right. They did it. Right? I right, mean, in the yeah. end, they, they took the plunge. Even today, how many churches would look at this building and be like, mm, I don't know, you know? Yeah, it, absolutely. That's, a, that's really incredible to me that, that in 1956, they did it. Well, here we are at the end of the podcast, Bobby, and we teed up this <laughs> KGB question. There was a time, I read in the story here, that the, that the KGB was actually on site during an event at the church, but it uh, it wasn't as serious maybe as it sounds. That's not true. The whole <laughs> well, thing is made up. No, I'm kidding. We can't talk about it. No, yeah. right. I don't want to. I don't want to end up in a gulag. <laughs> um, no. So it's true because so um, Stalin's daughter, Joseph Stalin's daughter, um, ended up in the United States, and she married Wes Peters, who was um, an architect who worked with Wright, and he's actually sort of the guy who finished this building mm. when Wright died. Um, and so he married Svetlana Stalin, and they came to the consecration of this building, which happened much later than the actual, I mean, it opened and then later it was consecrated. Um, and so because she's there, the KGB follows her everywhere she goes. Uh, well, it did when she was alive. And um, so they were outside, and everybody could see them. They were, you know, obviously. <laughs> Looking like, like KGB, Like Secret right? Service people <laughs> yeah. here, right? You know, they think they're, you know, that they're nonchalant, but we all know who they are. Um, and uh, w- while they're in there for this consecration, all of the like sort of top brass for be- for lack of a better word is from the church is there like nationally. Yeah, it's consecration. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, after the ceremony ends, um, Wes Peters and Svetlana Stalin go up to these sort of elders and say, we're here. They have their baby with them. They're like, we want to baptize our baby. Oh, wow. And they're like, Huh. <laughs> I guess we could do that, right? Right. And so, um, for the, the woman, daughter of Stalin, I mean, right. And the woman who showed me around, her dad was—I don't know if you remember Chris uh, Seraphim. He was a famous judge in Milwaukee. Okay. Um, and he was—he was actually the person who suggested Frank Lloyd Wright to do the building. Um, and so she turns to to Seraphim and says, "And Judge, I would like you and your wife to be the godparents." Wow. And the woman who showed me around was there for all of this. She was a kid, but she was there. And they were like, okay. And so, and because the Orthodox religion demands you have to have a new uh, christening outfit. Okay. Um, the woman who showed me around and her mother, Chris Seraphim's wife, went to Marshall Fields. Like, sort of, <laughs> okay. And everybody's like, well, when you go out to your car, look real nonchalant so the KGB doesn't know you're up to anything. And so they just sort of walked out to their car, drove presumably to Mayfair where the nearest Marshall Field would be or Capitol Court maybe. And um, got an outfit, came back, nonchalantly walked in, and they did the ceremony. So when Stalin's daughter says, you're going to be the godparents, I wonder if that's an offer you can't refuse her. 
Well, he was dead by then, so I don't, you know, he, he'd been dead almost 20 years by then, so I'm, I'm assuming she didn't have that kind of power, it was but all above board. you never know. You well, never that, know. Is, that is some good trivia. We've never had the KGB involved in our uh, Yeah, so Stalin's granddaughter baptized in Milwaukee. Stalin's granddaughter baptized in Milwaukee in the presence of the KGB. Yes, unknowingly. Wow. This, that's good trivia, Bobby. Like I, I like that one. That's sort of a long-winded trivia, but... Well, we should mention, too, again, that this is going to be open for Doors Open Milwaukee, September 24th. On the Saturday only. The Saturday only. Mm-hmm. And actually, coming up next week, Bobby, we're going to run through your top picks for Doors Open Milwaukee. Because you're listening to this podcast, I know you're into architecture, and Bobby's got some really great picks. A lot of buildings we've talked about here in the past on Doors Open. Probably are, all. Yeah, probably yeah. all of them at some point. And... Um, I should say that I would have put this on my list of picks, too, had I written the story. Bef- I did the picks before I did this one. So this is like the bonus 11th pick. This is the bonus. This, these picks go to 11. All right, Bobby. We're going to geek out next week and, and bring you 10 picks for Doors Open Milwaukee. Make sure you're subscribing. If you're not already subscribed, we put out new episodes every Tuesday. It's usually just one building, but next week we've got 10 buildings for you. So make sure you subscribe at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts or on whatever podcast platform you're using right now. And while you're here, make sure you go to the info box and check out the photos from this story. So many of those renderings and um, architectural drawings and some really cool construction photos as well that show you this building taking shape. So some incredible pictures in Bobby's complete story at On Milwaukee. You can find a link right in the description box. Podcasts here on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. And take a minute and, and rate and review the podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. If you can just do a couple stars or make it couple, five. Make yeah, it make, five. It, make it five stars for us if you could. And then uh, if you also want to leave a review, we'd love to hear from you as well. So rate and review and we'll be back next week.